0: There's a lot of things in life where this is true. That there is so much more going on than you think. Have you ever known that? Notice that? That what the eye sees, there's just so much more going on in the background, behind the scenes. And and so, just for example, like right now, we're live streaming this service, and so it's easy. Like, oh yeah, we just YouTube it. Oh yeah, you just you just put it on live stream. Oh, you just you just live stream it. Have you ever thought, oh yeah, why can't we just put that online? And it is amazing how much is going on to live stream our services. There's more going on than you think. Even, uh, you know, when this thing started, we didn't even have video cameras. We didn't even own them. So the whole shutdown time, this room was torn apart. There was wires running everywhere because we had to get cameras and hook up cameras. And we built a whole new sound booth. And we went from two stations, audio and projection, to three stations, audio camera and projection and so what's amazing is is what does it take to run that right like, right you just oh yeah you just put it on youtube well this morning they mixed the sound for you to hear they mix the sound that comes out of these speakers and then they're like all right let's now we got to switch and mix the sound for what goes home because it's not the same what you need to hear in the room is not what you need to hear at home so that's a whole separate sound mix and then now this is really exciting when the feed goes out We've simuled, we simulcast to Facebook and YouTube, and they want different things. Right? Of course, like they don't want to play nicely, of course. They don't want to work together. I don't know what the things are. You could ask Mark that. But whatever data Facebook likes is not the data YouTube likes, and whatever YouTube likes is not what Facebook. So how do you get that? So Mark found this, this system that takes our feed in, simultaneously sends YouTube what it likes, sends Facebook what it likes, and it delays it 30 seconds... So that if there's any missing data, it finds it and sends it to the feed so it never clips out. So there's never any times when right, right? it stops that from happening. Okay, so thank you at home for that. But, uh, so that, that's just a little like picture of what's going on. Every week, these systems are running, and you're just like, oh, I just turned on YouTube, and there it was. But behind the scenes, there's all kinds of checking, and there's all kinds of listening. Now, did you listen to the home mix? Did you listen to the house mix? Is the video feed going out? Can you see it at home? Can you see it here? Can they see the words? Can they, and we have multiple cameras, so they're switching between cameras. Uh, switch to the thin camera, if you would. Thank you. I uh, appreciate the thin camera. Um, they're all the same. I'm just kidding. But... Uh, So There's just a lot going on. There's so much more than you think to have a a service on live stream. So you can thank our tech team. If that excites you, then talk to Pastor Mark. You can be on the tech team because it's a great thing they're doing. But I wanted us to think of that with the resurrection. We celebrated Easter last week. It was a great Sunday here. We were celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Two different uh, students got up spontaneously and got baptized, one at 9, one at 10.30. It was just wonderful to see the Spirit of God moving here. But a lot of times we think the resurrection of Jesus is he's alive, death is defeated, we're going to go to heaven when you believe in him, and then that's kind of where it stops. But there's actually so much more going on. Just like there's so much going on right now in this room to make a live stream. When Jesus was alive, there was a ton more happening than simply he was alive, he defeated death, your sins can be forgiven. There's this whole other uh, side of things that we're going to look at today. So you can kind of think of today like an Easter follow-up. So we had Easter, we had Jesus alive, and then the next two weeks we're going to look at all else that that meant, all that was going on at the resurrection of Jesus, it's even more than you think. Even more was happening. So today we're going to see a cosmic view that everything is under Jesus' control. So this will be a cosmic level view. And then next week we'll look at, at what he wants us to do about that. But right now I just want us to see that everything is under Jesus' control. Everything. So we're going to turn to the book of Matthew to start. If you want to go to Matthew chapter 28, it's the very last part of that book. Matthew 28, pull out a Bible, pull out a digital Bible is fine. Uh, Matthew 28, we're, we're going to start in verse 16. And we're just going to look at these last words of Jesus in Matthew, the book of Matthew, and see all that more is going on than what we think. So much more is going on than what we think. So Matthew chapter 28 verse 16. Matthew 28, 16. So we're going to read 16 to 20. It says, now the 11 disciples, right? We're minus Judas here. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I have always found that amazing. Like they're standing there. They're looking at him. Some of them are worshiping. You're alive. This is amazing. And a few of them are like, I don't know about this, right? I don't know. Why? Is this real? Maybe it's just the shock. Like, this is real? He's really alive? That's really him? I'm really seeing this? But anyways, there, that goes to this whole idea that seeing isn't always believing, right? Faith is a first sight, right? We, we, we trust, and then we see. So here they are. They're standing there. He's standing there. They're worshiping. Some are a little unsure, So I want to go back to verse 18, but a lot of times this passage is preached and we go right to go make disciples, and we talk about the mission and the charge of the church to make disciples, to spread the gospel, but I want us to stop on verse 18. It says in verse 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority. So this was just running through my mind. I just kept repeating that phrase this week, all authority. in heaven." What does that mean, all authority in heaven and earth? So sometimes you just look for the simple answer. So I asked Titi, you remember this? I told you, I was like, Titi, Jesus said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. What do you think that means? And he was like, well, it sounds like he's in control of everything. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. He's in control of everything, all authority. Authority is the, the freedom to act that no one can say, oh, actually, you can't do that. No, you can't sit here. No, you can't go over there, right? So if, if someone has authority over you, they can stop you, direct you, change your instructions. But here it says Jesus has all the authority. So he has complete freedom to act, com- complete permission, authorization to do whatever he thinks he wants or needs to do. So all authority in heaven and on earth. That's why I'm saying this is something very different than, and Jesus was alive and said your sins are forgiven. He said something way more is happening, way more is going on than simply, I'm alive, go make disciples. He says, I'm alive and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's in control of everything. So I want to trace that theme today I want to show it a little bit in the New Testament, and then I want to show how it was actually foretold in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, and kind of follow this theme through of all the authority that Jesus has, all his control, all his power to reign. I want to follow that theme through. And see, it's actually not sort of this isolated one-off. This is a consistent theme of the Bible. This is showing us so much more that's going on, and then, and then we'll make some implications. So I want you to go, if you got a bookmark, maybe we'll come back to this Matthew passage, First, I want to look in Ephesians 1. So, we're going to see this in Ephesians chapter 1, if you want to go there. Ephesians will be to your right, a few books. Ephesians chapter 1. And what I want us to see in the flow of Ephesians is how it starts, how we think that Jesus is risen and he, we're forgiven, and, and the song we just sang, God loves us, and then to see how it all of a sudden jumps to this other theme of a cosmic authority, a cosmic reign. So the first part of Ephesians, we're going to do three, chapter 1, verse 3 to 10. Ephesians 1, 3 to 10, and then we're going to jump and just see how this, it goes from what we think's going on to something way bigger than is going on. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, these first parts are just going to rehearse what, what we're confident the gospel is. 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And that alone is amazing. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. God's already given you spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. It's pretty amazing. He knew about you before he made the world. He wanted you before he made the world. That's a pretty amazing statement. It says, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So he adopted you into his family. Why? Because he wanted to. (laughs) you see that? According to the purpose of his will. He planned it. He decided it. He wanted to, so he did it. To the praise of his glorious grace. It's a gift. It's undeserved. It's unearned. It just shows the grace of God that he would adopt you and plan for you. It says, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And here's keeping going with the gospel, the story we're, we're more familiar with. In him, we're in verse uh, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. And all of a sudden, things are going to start changing. When the Bible says mystery, it's not like something no one can figure out. It's not like, why are there crop circles? Why, Why was that giant silver thing placed in the desert? Turns out it was some dudes. But anyways, right? It's not like, hey, how'd this happen? When the Bible says mystery, it means... A secret that you just didn't know. It was a secret that God knew and he only revealed later. So we read mystery and think we can never solve this thing. When the Bible says mystery, it's something God specifically kept hidden and is now revealing it. So mystery here, the secret, this plan that he had... The mystery of his will according to his purpose, right? He had a plan. He had a purpose which he set forth in Christ. Now watch how it goes from you're redeemed, you're saved, verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. You see how that jumped? It went from you're forgiven and he wanted you and he knew you and then he had this secret plan all along and it suddenly jumps up to unite everything in Christ. It's all going to go to him. It jumped from what we're experiencing in his family. Forgiveness, redemption, jumped up to this massive plan. Go down to verse 19. So Paul launches into this prayer. I'm not going to go through all the pieces of the prayer, but he's in the middle of a prayer for this church. If you go down to verse 19, he's, he's praying. and He says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power, this is God's power, toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ... When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So here we're going way up again. Jesus is at the right hand, the, ha- the place of power, of authority. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Do you see how that just got a lot bigger? Yes, he forgives your sins and makes you part of his family. But when you get this cosmic view... He's above every single name and power and authority in this age and also the age to come. Now there's a whole lot, and this could be a whole nother sermon, but there's a whole lot happening in heaven that we just don't see. There are all these different ones. These names come up a lot in the New Testament. Paul uses them a lot. Rulers, authorities, powers. Right? It's not just God up there hanging out by himself. All right, We're going to see in a minute that he himself has his own beings around him, angels and things above angels, rulers, ministers, divine counsel, but there's also hostile authorities. There's hostile spiritual powers that are working against him. There's a whole this where you get the idea of spiritual warfare in this realm. But here it says Jesus is above them all. Every single spiritual being, every single earthly being, In this age, right now, today, and in the age to come, forever, Jesus is above them all. He's far above them all. So it's not like someone can overrule him. Someone can say, stop. No, you can't do that anymore. No, I'm going to oppose you. Jesus reigns above all. No other one, no other being, no other spiritual being of any kind of rank, power, placement, of anything they do, they're all under Jesus. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet. So something's under your feet. You clearly are reigning over it. You rule over it. It's under you. And he gave him as head over all things to the church. So he's our head. He's the head of all the churches, all the Christians from all time. He's over all of it, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Do you see how many alls were just going on there? He's over all rule and all authority and he's over all the church and he fills all and all and everything is for him and everything goes to him. So what is, when Jesus raised from the dead, he, he says your sins are forgiven and there's a hope of eternal life, but he also said this way bigger thing. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And you look over here to Paul and Paul says, yeah, Jesus, he forgives you and redeems you, but then when you look up, He's over all and reigning over all and there's nothing above him. Everything's beneath him. He reigns forever. So that's the New Testament witness of this. There's something wonderful about that because don't things look messy sometimes and weird and broken? And Jesus is saying, I'm over it all. I have a plan for it all. I'm working my plan. But I want us to go back, jump back in time and see that this was said beforehand. That before Jesus comes, this was announced. Before this happens, this is announced. So if you want to go back to the book of Daniel, it's going to say the same thing, but it's got more cool images and pictures in Daniel. It's the book of Daniel, and Daniel is a guy, he was a Jewish guy that was taken away as a young teenager. The Babylonian army came in and was attacking Jerusalem, and he was exiled as this young youth, and he was taken away to Babylon, and he served there. So there's all kinds of cool stories with Daniel we're not going to get today. But I, he, was, he was someone that God spoke to and showed visions and showed things in the future. So when we read vision language, it's usually weird. But I want us to see the same thing. Everything is under Jesus' control. So if we're going to do Daniel, Daniel chapter 7 here, and it's this vision he gets. And I want to see how it's building to the same theme but in cooler pictures. So Daniel 7, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirred up by the great sea. All right, so you got that winds, sea, waves. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. That'd be kind of terrifying, right? If you're at the zoo, look, there's the lion. Oh, he can fly. Oh, he's coming over here. That's trouble. So he's a lion with eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, arise, devour much flesh. And after this, I looked and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night visions and behold, a fourth beast Terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces. It stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. That's right. That makes sense. We can go home now. So he sees this vision. This is, I just put this in there because it's kind of fun. There's an artist's rendition. Who knows what it looks like, but it's just kind of interesting to imagine that Daniel seeing a vision and these beasts are coming out now. This mirrors another chapter in Daniel, Daniel chapter 2. But these are kingdoms. They end up being symbolic for kingdoms. The lion with the eagle's wings is the kingdom of Babylon that he's in, right? And then the next kingdom that takes over world power was the kingdom of Medo-Persia, the Medes and the Persians. That's the bear. And it conquers for a while. And then the next kingdom that comes in, anybody knows the kingdom? Greece. The kingdom of Greece, and it's this leopard, and it rapidly conquers the world, and then there's this very, very, very famous emperor, who knows the famous Greek emperor, Alexander the Great, and he dies at like age 32, and the kingdom is divided among four generals. So this leopard with four heads is Greece, because it's divided into four parts, And then the the next kingdom that comes in with giant teeth and stomps and crushes and controls the whole world is Rome. Rome, right? And these horns are kings. And so this is just played out in history. But here's what's cool about Daniel's vision. He's watching this picture by the water and these kingdoms are coming up. And he's probably going, I don't know what's going on. This is terrifying. And then it immediately switches to side-by-side with the vision of these kingdoms playing out in world history it's going to switch to what's happening in heaven. So we have kingdoms playing out on earth, doing what they do, conquering, reigning, doing, destroying, and then side by side, God's in heaven. So if we go to verse nine, uh, we're still in Daniel seven, verse nine. We got it there. Here we go. So as I looked, okay, so we got the beasts over here, and then as I looked, thrones were placed. See that that's plural. You see that? Remember we talked about rulers, authorities, powers? Thrones were placed, plural, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. So whatever that means, the Ancient of Days is God, and he has people sitting around him. One name for it's a divine council, a heavenly court. They're not equal to God, but they sit up there with him. He's above them all. But So that when you see this Bible language, thrones, rulers, we're seeing this, these other heavenly beings under God made by God, but are sitting with him. They're sitting on these thrones. And the ancient of days took his seat, His clothing was white as wool as snow, the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. its wheels were burning fire. That's pretty intense, isn't it? There's some kind of throne this mimics the picture in Ezekiel 1. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. (laughs) You get in the picture? Light, fire, intensity, strength. And a thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. How many is that? Math people, who knows? It's a hundred million. That's a lot. That's a lot. This fiery flaming throne, the heavenly court around him, all these angels around him. I don't know if that's the exact number, but I think that means a whole, whole, whole lot, 100 million of them. And what are they doing? The court sat in judgment. So the court, that group around God is in judgment, and the books were opened. Right, so you have kingdoms, terrifying, conquering. And at the same time, God's sitting on the throne, a terrifying throne. And he's saying, I'm judging you. I'm looking over you. The court's in judgment. Verse 11, I looked then because the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. He's like, check me out. I'm awesome. You can't rule me. And as I looked, the beast was killed, its body destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire. Uh, You're done. Out, right? As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So there's a simultaneous picture in heaven that Daniel sees of beasts that seem to do you know, reign. These are massive empires, Greece, Rome, Medes and Persians. And uh, when Yahweh judges, when he looks, he just says, well, you're done. The other ones, he, he let them exist, right? There's a kingdom of Persia for a while and you can go visit Greece today, but they're not a reigning, fearful world empire, right? All the empires like crumbled stuff that you walk around and pay money to see, so the whole point is things are playing out on earth, kingdoms are going on, but when God says you're done, you're done. When he says that kingdom's over, it's over. And these were terrifying. Rome dominated, crushed, stomped, reigned, ruled, seemed to be autonomous until God said, ah, "You're done now." You're done now. So that we got these side-by-side visions, kingdoms, God in complete control verse 13. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. A human one, right? And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. It's a pretty amazing scene, right? This is a fiery throne, and this one comes right up to him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples nations languages should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed who is this this was Jesus one of the the titles he always called himself the son of man the son of man he called himself the son of man all the time This is the Lord Jesus. So we're hundreds of years before he comes. Daniel sees his heavenly vision. There's reigning empires on the earth, but they're all under God's judgment. And then he says, I'll show you who's really in charge. Not Babylon, not the Medes and the Persians, not the Greeks, not the Romans, the Son of Man. This one that I'm going to give authority to. And his kingdom doesn't run out. His kingdom isn't tipped over. His kingdom isn't destroyed by another kingdom. It goes on all peoples, all nations should serve him. So when we think about when Jesus is risen from the dead, he's saying, I'm accomplishing what this picture we showed Daniel, right? I'm risen from the dead and I forgive sins, but also all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. I'm the fulfillment of this vision. I'm the one who reigns forever. No one takes my kingdom away. We're going to do a little bit more in Daniel and then we'll come back to to, Matthew. Matthew. Go to verse 15. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious. (laughs) That's an understatement, right? If you saw this, you'd be a little frightened, right? I don't know if enough melatonin puts you back to sleep on this one. And the visions of my head alarmed me, right? He was a little freaked out. So I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this, like, what's going on? And uh, so he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. We're going to stop the Daniel part there. But you see that? There's these kingdoms, but they reign under God's rule. And he decides how long and when. But the real authority was given to this son of man to reign forever. But then when Daniel asked, he asked sort of the, you know, I don't know if he elbowed one of the angels, what's going on? Um, they said, oh, well, these are kingdoms. They're going to be put down. And who gets the kingdom? And then when he asked, the saints, the people. Right? So Jesus reigns forever, and he says, and my kingdom's going to be populated with my people, with my saints, with my holy ones. That we get to be there. That we get to be in a kingdom that goes on forever and ever. And we're going to talk about that part next week with the, the making of disciples to populate this kingdom. But there's this encouragement that whatever is happening on earth isn't what happens forever. It's all under the authority of God. I'll show you this quote here from Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says, the world is not in the hands of the politicians or the kingdoms or whoever's on earth. It is in the hands of this living Jesus, the risen Christ. This is the message. God, the eternal father, the creator, the owner of all things, has handed over the business of this world and its redemption to his son. And he has all power in heaven and on earth all power. So when Jesus is raised and says, all authority has been given to me, this is what he's meaning. He's meaning I'm the one in Daniel and that the kingdoms are under God and they're under me and I have dominion. And this is what Paul means in Ephesians 1. when He says he's above all rulers and authorities. There's no one above him. And everything we see is operating underneath the plan and power of God. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. Countries come, countries go. Rulers come, rulers go. But Jesus lasts forever. And he reigns forever. So that's what he means when we go back. I said we'll go back to Matthew. That's what he means, right? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, right? All authority. Not just some, not just a little bit. All authority has been given to me. So this is the part we'll look at next week, verse 19. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So we're going to look at that next time. That The kingdom is going to be populated with disciples. So we'll look at that next week. But I want to stay on this theme today, that everything is under Jesus' control. Everything is under Jesus' control. Now here's what's cool, is the end of that. The end of verse 20. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So everything is under the reign and rule and control of Jesus. And he says, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I did my own little Rendering of this verse always felt generic to me. Always feels like it's it's it seems like well that means all the time, but it's also undefined. And this is literally what it means. This is this passage literally translated. Look, look, I am with you all the days to the end. I'm with you every hour of every day. There's something to me that was powerful to me. Always seemed a little bit vague, but all the days I'm here today. And tomorrow, and the next day, and the day after that, and next week, and then next Monday, and then next Tuesday, all the days. I'm with you all the days till there aren't any more days on this earth. So the one who's reigning and absolutely in control of everything says, I'm with you all the days. Not just some of them, not just Sundays, I'm with you all the days. I'm with you always. I found that amazingly encouraging. That everything, everything's under his control, but we're not just sort of dangling out there, figured out, good luck. I know things are hard, right? No, I'm actually with you all the days. This, this played out pretty, pretty real for me this week. So I'll tell a little story. It involves our, our trip to Sunset Pond. But it, this, this right here, all things being under Jesus' power and all things being with him. So if you don't know, we've been going to Sunset Pond where people are living in tents since November. God said, you're going to minister there. So our our Timothy Initiative group, our Disciples Making Disciples group, has been going there every Wednesday. We serve a little lunch, and we open, and we do a Discovery Bible study. So my parents, Russ and Lisa go, Crystal goes, and I go. But I didn't make it this week. So they were there, and at the very end, Crystal, my mom, said this, this one gal named Julie, she, they didn't even know she was there. She was in this tent that's like basically falling over with the makeshift pole in the middle. And she kind of comes out and they're like, we didn't even know you were here. And um, she's, she's really lucid, which hasn't always been the case. And she's there and she's like, I, I need to get out of here. I need, I need help. I, I need to go to detox. And so it was the first time of any of our trips there, that anyone said, I want help. I want to do something different. So it was kind of like, oh, my goodness. So she said, I haven't eaten it. And what's always happened with her, she was actually the first person we shared the gospel with. We did the three circles for her. And uh, she's usually like in the back of this tent. And this other guy's kind of hovering around and protecting her a little. Well, he was gone. Like his tent was gone. He was gone. So it was all of a sudden she's free. She was a little more clear. She said she's hungry. She said she needs help. And she's never expressed anything before. So, um, Crystal and my mom get her a, go get to the store and get her a sandwich, and then Crystal calls me. She says, Julie wants help. She wants to get out of there, and I was like, oh, okay. oh my goodness, what do we do? You know, it was like the first time anybody wanted any help, so um, we get there a little later, and I call, and I find out there's detox. It's in Bakerview, and they do a phone intake, so I'm like, all right, we got to get her a phone, and she knew the drill. We didn't know, so she gets on the phone. For a very long time. This stuff all takes a very long time, so we're just kind of milling around and waiting and she's on the phone. And at one point it was so beautiful. Crystal reaches down and just holds her hand. She says, I just want you to know I'm with you. I'm just comforting you. So she's holding her hand. And finally she gives me the phone. And the lady on the phone's like, Okay, we've got some other intakes. Can you bring her in at ten? I'm like, Ten? Like no, I'm standing here right now. I can't I'm not coming. This is at night, right? We're here at what was it after six, Crystal? It was after six. I'm like, I'm not coming at ten o'clock at night. I'm like, I'm here right now. So I said, look, I'm in the park. I'm helping this lady. Can I come now? Can I come now to detox? Not at ten o'clock at night. I'm gonna be in my bed. So she's like, I don't know, I'll check. So there's this long she didn't put the phone on hold. She just puts it down. So you know you hear that shuffling and noise and the, I'm just and and I'm just waiting and um This is when this passage came into play. I was just like, I cannot do anything about this. I feel so helpless. And so I was just praying, Jesus, you have all authority in heaven and on earth. You have all authority on heaven and earth. I cannot do anything about this. I don't know how this process works. I don't know what they're going to say. And I was just praying this while I'm on this super long hold. You have all authority. And there was something very freeing for me of just saying, you have all authority. You can do anything. You can do whatever you want to do. So finally, as they get back on the phone, she says, here's what we can do. Take her to the ER. She needs a medical exam. And then after the ER, she can come over here. So I was like, oh, okay, good. Because I did not want to leave and come back at 10 o'clock. So Kristen and I take her to the ER, get her checked in and, and, and you know, give her a hug and pray with her. And then we leave. The sad part of the story is we don't know what happened to her. She didn't make it to detox, and she's not in the hospital. So we don't know what happened. And that's, that's the reality. Like, I don't, I don't know what happened. And so there's this part of me that's like, ah, oh, oh, so disappointed. But on the other hand, Jesus has all authority. And he's working, and he's moving, and our life on earth is just never a straight line. It's never like, oh, I prayed once, and then he just solved 20 problems. So I don't know what he's going to do. We're going to be back down there Wednesday. We're going to check on her and see how you know what happened. I, I don't really know how she, how she left or what happened. We don't know. But I know that Jesus still has all authority in heaven and on earth, and he's with us every day until there's no more days. And so there's this, on the one hand, like, uh, But on the other hand, like, he's still in control. And just like in Daniel's day, those kingdoms look crazy and out of control, but really God was in control, and in your life, everything is under his control, and it's not a straight line where he's solving every problem and fixing everything in the moment you ask. It's going to take longer. He's doing what he's doing. He's accomplishing purposes, so there's this rest we can have. I'm just going to give this to you. You have all authority. You know the next kingdom to come. You know what's happening on earth. You know about pandemics. You know about whatever's happening, global conflicts. You know about global economies. You know about pollution. Whatever is going on, he knows about it all. And we can just keep giving it to him. All authority is his. He's in control. You don't have to grab it, wrestle it, try to make it happen. You just keep giving it to him. And he's with you all the days to the end of today. So what I want us to do to wrap up today, if there's anything that you're just like, ah, I just want to encourage you to give it to him. Just say, you have all authority. I don't know how you're going to answer it. And then we're going to just focus in and remember the Lord Jesus. We're going to remember him. This one who reigns and rules over all is also the one that took a little piece of bread and said, he took bread when he had given thanks and he broke it and gave it to him saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus who reigns over all, <laughs> whose head over all also gave his body. And then likewise the cup after they'd eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. That Jesus who reigns over all shed his blood for you. And so it's this opportunity for us to remember him to pray to him, to thank him, to say thank you for giving your body, thank you for shedding your blood, I trust you, I want to follow you, I don't know what's happening on a global scale, but you do, and so we can worship and just participate with him today. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we know that you have all authority in heaven and on earth, but we don't know how you're going to work everything out. I don't know how you're going to work things out, uh, in the lives of people living in a tent. I don't know how you're going to work things out in our nation. I don't know how you're going to work things out in the world, but I know that you're with us and that you have a plan. And uh, today we're going to start with this idea that that there is so much more going on than we think. There's so much more going on than we think. And sometimes we see something on a surface level and and we think about it, and we don't realize all that's happening behind it. So I'll give you an example: uh, the one, this, the whole live stream that is happening right now, you at home. It's easy when someone says, "Oh, you just live stream that." Well, you just you just put it on YouTube. You just you just do it. You just live stream it. And it's like you, it's amazing what's happening right now to live stream. What's happening when when this whole thing hit the whole. A pandemic shutdown. We had zero cameras at the church. We didn't own any video cameras like that, and um, so we we totally redid the sanctuary. If you'd have come in here, there was wires everywhere, and we, new sound booth. And we had to move from three seats or two seats to three. We had projection, we had audio, and now we had to add a video seat uh, to just run it. And here's what has to happen every week: they come in, and there's a mix. For what you hear, there's a mix in the room that they have to mix it down, and then they go, okay, now we got to mix what's at home, and so that's a whole separate sound. What goes to someone's TV set has to sound different, so then they do a whole separate sound mix. That's that's the TV one that's going out, and then here's what's an interesting point of view: we have to send the video feed out, but we send it to YouTube and Facebook, and they like different things. Now, I don't know what the things are. You'd have to ask Mark for that, but. Uh, YouTube wants one kind of data at one kind of speed and Facebook says "Well, we don't really like YouTube, we won't be like them so we want our own data at our own speed and our own numbers or whatever they are and so they have to be different so Pastor Mark found this device that the video goes in and it simultaneously sends a feed to YouTube that they like and Facebook that they like and it delays it 30 seconds so that if there's any missing data, if it clips out, it will find that data, fill it in so that when it goes home, it doesn't Cut out, right? So that's all, and you're just, and all you're doing is just turning on YouTube. And you didn't realize all that's going on in the room, all that's happening, all the little technical devices that make it feed these at the same time. It says, oh yeah, you just put it on YouTube. Well, you don't just put it on YouTube, all this stuff has to happen. So for some of you, that's terrifying, and you're like, huh. Ah. Other of you, that might be interesting, like, oh, I like all these technical things. Talk to Pastor Mark, he will get you on our tech team, and you can be a part of that. And th- that could be a great way to serve. But I go through that to say a lot of times things we think mean one thing. We think, well, this is just a simple thing, that there's this whole other level happening that we don't know about. And that's what we're going to see looking at the resurrection story. We're going to do a couple follow-up weeks to Easter. Last week was Easter, and we celebrated. We had a great celebration. We had two students get baptized. Aaron, one of them right here, was baptized last week. And uh, another, another uh, gal named Hayden. And they, uh, they spontaneously responded to the call of Jesus and got baptized. So we celebrated that with them. And, um, but this Easter story, a lot of times... We see the Easter story that Jesus is risen from the dead, and sins can be forgiven, and you can have eternal life. And those are all true, but there's actually a whole lot more going on. Just like there's a whole lot more going on to get a live stream out, there's a whole lot more happening at the resurrection of Jesus than we often see or think about. And so I want to look at a couple elements of those kind of post-Easter follow-up. And this week we're going to look at this, this idea that Everything is under Jesus' control. Everything is under Jesus' control. Not just the resurrection, not just the forgiveness of sins, not just internal life. Those are all certainly under his control, but everything is under his control. So I want us to see that, that when Jesus is raised and appears to his disciples, a lot more is going on than we sometimes realize. So we're going to start in the book of Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at the very last part of Matthew, chapter 28, and get, get a sense of this, all that's happening, and that everything is under Jesus' control. So if you go to Matthew, the last page of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, we're going to do verses 16 through 20, and we're going to see, get the idea here that there's more going on, that we're going to look at some New Testament, some Old Testament, and make some sense of all this today. So Matthew twenty-eight sixteen. This is after the Easter story, after the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 16 says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. That's always amazed me that they say that, that some are worshipping and there you are and you're alive and you're the Lord. And others are like, well, I don't know. And maybe it's an overwhelming sight and it's still processing that Jesus is alive. But sometimes we think if only I could see, then I would believe. But a lot of times you don't don't see anything until you believe, until you trust. So so wishing for sight isn't always the right wish. So anyways, there they are. Jesus is alive. They're worshiping. Some are kind of a little unsure. And uh, verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Now, typically, we go right to the go make disciples part we go right to that we got to make disciples but what we're going to see i want us to focus on verse 18 i want us to focus on that part today this is the more going on than we sometimes realize verse 18 it said and jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me all authority So I was just thinking about that, all authority, what does that mean, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me? And sometimes you can overthink things, have you ever done that, you overthink things? So I just decided to ask my 12-year-old, Titi, I said, Titi, what does it mean when Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me? He said, well, sounds like Jesus is in control of everything. I was like, that's a good answer, yeah. Just, let's just take the, the straightforward answer. Jesus is in control of everything. All authority. To have authority means that you have a freedom to act. That you, No one can say, oh, no, you can't put that there. You can't sit there. No, you can't do that. No one says that to you. You have total freedom and autonomy to act, to do. You don't need permission. You have permission. So Jesus said he has all authority in heaven and on earth. That's pretty much everywhere, right? The heavenlies and on earth. Now, we often just think about go make disciples or we think about now Jesus has forgiven my sins. But we don't often think of this part of the Easter story. When Jesus is raised, he says, all authority has been given to me. All power, all control, it all comes to me. So what I want us to do is actually trace. This is a theme that appears a lot in the Bible the theme of the authority of Jesus. It appears in the New Testament and it was foretold in the Old Testament. So i want to explore this a little bit. And see, this isn't just a one-off, you know, delusion of grandeur for Jesus. This is the facts. This is the more going on than we realize that Jesus has all authority and control and it's a lot in the Bible. So we're going to come back to this Matthew place, here, Matthew 28, but I want us to jump over to the book of Ephesians. That's to the right, a few pages, Ephesians chapter 1. And I want us to see how the Apostle Paul writing that does the same thing. He starts writing about the resurrection and the, the, the gospel that we celebrate. And he's talking about gospel forgiveness and we're tracking. And then all of a sudden it goes zoop, to a whole nether, nether level. It jumps up to this issues of authority and reigning in heaven. And a lot of times when we're just kind of at the forgiveness redemption part of the story. And we miss the jump. And I want to see this idea that Jesus being in control of all things is a theme, is a reality for us. So we're going to start in Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 10. and We're going to follow along. If you're familiar at all with the story, you'll go, oh yeah, I know that. Oh yeah, that's good, 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 good. And then I want you to see if you can catch when it jumps to this exalted place. So verse 3, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Wow. That's a sermon enough right there, but I'm going to keep talking. But anyways, that's pretty amazing. He's blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Do you realize that? He chose you before he even made the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through jesus christ so he he wanted you he adopts you why did he do that according to the purpose of his will because he decided to It is his plan to to the praise of his glorious grace right it's all because of grace not because we've earned it so far you going, okay yep we're tracking on the gospel story here It says to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Making known to us the mystery of his will. Now here's all of a sudden transitioning from what we know is the gospel story. Forgiveness, redemption, being chosen. And it gets to this idea here of the mystery of his will. When the Bible says mystery, we think mystery is like something you can't figure out. like Who made the crock circles? Who dropped the big shiny silver thing in the desert? Like, oh, it's a mystery. Turns out this shiny silver thing was some dudes. But, uh, but we think mystery of this like unknown thing. How do we figure it out? What's go- when the Bible uses the word mystery, it means a secret that's not known yet. So it's not like, oh, no, we can't figure it out. This is an unsolved mystery. It is this is a secret that just the answer hasn't been told. So here it's saying he lavished on us, uh, verse 9, making known to us the mystery or, his, or like his secret plan according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Now watch verse 10. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Didn't that just suddenly jump? We were talking about that. He knew you, he predestined you, he adopted you, he redeems you. He has this secret plan for all things. It jumps from just your life and your redemption to everything. Right? Just when Jesus said all authority in heaven and on earth. God had this secret plan for all time that all things would unite under the the reign of Christ. Now I want you to jump down to verse 19. We're going to keep this story going. Paul's in the middle of a prayer over this church here. And he's praying for them. I want you to see the same theme jumping up of this eternal, this cosmic authority of Jesus. In verse 19, he's saying, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? He's talking about God's power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Right? So he uses the power of God, raises Christ, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Do you sense this thing climbing and rising above our, our forgiveness to something way bigger? Right, That Jesus is seated at the right hand. That means the place of total authority, total power to be seated at the right hand of God. And then it lists this whole bunch of names, authorities, powers, dominions. The heavenly realm has authorities, rulers, powers. Many of them serve Yahweh, do his will. Some of them are hostile and enemies, and we understand spiritual warfare. But in every case, his name is above all of them. He's above every ruler, every spiritual being, every heavenly being, any kind of being with authority or power, they're under Jesus. And this is not only in this age, but also the age to come, meaning forever and ever and ever. Verse 22 says, he put all things under his feet. Something's under your feet. You certainly reign and rule over it. And he gave him as head over all things to the church. That's us. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Do you get the complete sense going on there? All, every, everyone, all the time. He's the fullness. He's the head. He's above That's why there's a lot more going on at the resurrection of Jesus than the forgiveness of sins and the hope of resurrection, which is all true, but it's that there's more going on. He says, all authority has been given to me. I'm above everything. I have redeemed you and I've saved you, but I'm also the one who reigns forever. No one is above me. I'm above all. No one stops me. No one challenges me. No one has claim over me. I reign. That's a lot happening. So we've seen Jesus declared at his resurrection. We see the Apostle Paul writing about this, that he's overall, this was God's secret plan for all time to unite everything in Christ. And I want to go to a place where we see this before it happens. This is actually foretold in the book of Daniel. And uh, I want us to see that picture that that this is what God was shooting for all along. Remember he said it's a secret that's only known? Well, he was revealing parts of it along the way. In the book of Daniel, chapter 7, this whole idea that Christ is going to reign over all, we see it foretold in the book of Daniel. So, if you go back to Daniel chapter 7, and uh, we're just jumping in in the middle of the story, but this guy Daniel was a young teenager living in, in uh, Jerusalem, and a conquering army comes in and takes him away from his house, right? Now, some parents wish someone would come take away their teenager, but uh, it was probably a little bit traumatic for Daniel, right? This young teenager, he's taken away, forced into the service of the king of Babylon, and, uh, but he got us with him. There's amazing stories. But in chapter 7, Daniel's given this vision of, of what's to come, and we're going to see this vision of these kingdoms right alongside the authority of God. So you got to remember this is vision language, so it's often weird, It often doesn't make sense, uh, at least initially, but I want us to see this play out, this all authority, the more that's happening. So if we go to Daniel chapter 7, verse 1, it says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Okay, so he's having a dream. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold... The four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, right? So you're seeing some kind of vision of of water being churned by waves. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Aren't you glad those don't exist, right? You see him at the zoo. Oh, he can fly over that gate. That's troubling. So... Before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots, and behold, this in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. We all got that. We can go home now. No. So this is just a picture for some artist rendering, but this vision is given to Daniel. He's seeing this beast coming up, and you compare it with Daniel two, and later in this chapter, these beasts represent kings and kingdoms that will reign on earth right the first one this lion with eagle's wings is the kingdom of Babylon and then the next one the next kingdom that reigned the bear is the Medo-Persian empire they they take over Babylon and they reign on earth and then the one this leopard with wings this conquering one it was fast and the next empire does anybody know what came after the Medo-Persian empire some are history people the Greek empire it conquered the world like that you know the name of the guy yeah, Alexander the Great. But he dies at age 32, and, and his four, the kingdom's divided among four generals. So that's why it says that, that leopard had four heads, because it's, the kingdom is divided up in these four regions. And then the stomping, trampling, terrifying beast is Rome. Right, The Roman Empire comes, takes over for the Greek Empire, stomps, tramples, devours, reigns over the world, and these horns are kings. So that's what this vision is about. But what's amazing is... They were given dominion. They were allowed to reign. They were allowed to rule the world and conquer nations. But then there's a side-by-side vision that Daniel's looking at this watery, scary beast vision and is going, huh? And at the same time, the scene switches to what's happening in heaven. And again, I want us to see there's more going on than we think. So if we go into verse 9, you're going to see a side-by-side vision with these earthly kingdoms and what's happening in heaven. Verse 9. As I looked thrones were placed take a note that that's plural right that's plural thrones this is where we know there are there's a, this is like a picture of a divine court or god's heavenly court rulers authorities and heavenly places this this is that's not a unique idea that god has beings around him that are, are under him he's certainly the top but he has beings above angels thrones there is council and the ancient of days took his seat His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning with fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. How about that? (laughs) That's a pretty intense throne, is it not? It also mimics what you read in Ezekiel 1, if you're familiar with that, the wheels and the flaming throne. So this is God on the throne, seated in his heavenly court. It says, A thousand thousand served him. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. That's a pretty big number. Who knows it? 100 million. Hey, you were in the first service. Okay. <laughs> 100 million. That's a big number. 100 million people, 100 million beings, 100 million angels are standing around him. It might be a figurative number for a lot. A lot. But notice what they're doing. The court sat in judgment. And the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. This idea of great, haughty, prideful. Check me out. I'm in charge. And as I looked, the beast was killed, its body destroyed, and give it over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So on the one hand, there's these massive kingdoms reigning, destroying, conquering, and on the other hand, you have God reigning on a throne, thousands around him. His throne's got fire. He has the books of judgment. He's, oh, you're done, right? You're done. Oh, your, your dominion's over. You could go visit Greece today. It's not a scary leopard with four heads anymore, right? It's just, just a country. You go check it out. You could visit Roman ruins, but they're that, right? They're ruins. They're not a conquering, reigning nation anymore. You could go to Persia. You could go to these places. They're not these beasts because they were under the dominion and reign and had permission only from God. And the moment he says, you're done, you're done. The moment that kingdom's up, it's up. It didn't matter what this, they were saying, what they were doing, how terrifying. When Yahweh said, you're done, you're done. So again, Daniel sees the beast, seeing the throne, and God's judging. God's in control. And then there's w- another scene here I want us to see, starting in verse 13. These side-by-side visions of what's happening in the throne, what's happening on earth. Verse 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man a human-looking one. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. How about that? So there's one hand, these kingdoms that are reigning and thinking they have power, and God says, time's up, you're done. This is who I give dominion to, this human one, this son of man, which was the the title Jesus always used of himself. He kept saying, I'm the son of man. So Jesus is the one that's given eternal reign, dominion, that all kingdoms, nations, and peoples will serve him. Not the beasts, not rulers on earth, not people that are in rebellion, Jesus. So when he's resurrected and standing before his disciples, He's referring to this. He says, all authority has now been given to me. I'm the one that appeared before the Ancient of Days. I'm now risen from the dead. All comes to me. We saw that in Paul. He's going to unite all things in Christ. All rulers, all dominions, all thrones, all powers on earth and on heaven come to Jesus. That's pretty comforting. That's a lot more going on than Jesus is just alive, right? That he's over all the movement of history. Let's do a little bit more here in Daniel. Verse 15. Sometimes the Bible is very understated. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious. (laughs) If you had that dream, you'd need a lot of melatonin to go back to sleep after that one. And the visions of my head alarmed me. He's a little disturbed when you see these kind of things. And I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he kind of goes up to one of these 10,000 times 10,000. He's like, what are we looking at? So he, he asked them, So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall rise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. Oh, how about that? First dominion's given to the Son of Man, and who gets to be in his kingdom that reigns forever and ever? The saints, the holy ones, his people. So there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on on earth. There's all kinds of kingdoms that rise and fall. There's all kinds of heavenly rebellion, earthly rebellion. But God's in control of it all. And he says, my king, my son, Jesus will reign. And who gets to be there with him? The saints, the holy ones. I love this quote. This is from uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said, this world is not in the hands of the politicians, the kingdoms, the kings, It is in the hands of this living Jesus, the risen Christ. This is the message. God, the eternal Father, the creator, the owner of all things, has handed over the business of this world and its redemption to his Son. And he has all power in heaven and on earth. Well, that is good news to me. That is a relief because you can look at kingdoms you can look at the world you can look at problems you can look at pandemics you can look at this nation just they got nuclear power or do they have nuclear power it's all going to blow up and like no 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 no. the son of man reigns forever the people in his kingdom are with him forever that's when jesus says at the resurrection you're seeing me alive and forgiveness of sins comes from me but so does an eternal reign his kingdom goes on forever So way, way back, I said we'd come back to Matthew. I said we'd come back to that. (laughs) Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Didn't we see that? That's what he said. That's what's going on. He's reigning over the kingdoms. He's reigning for all time. And this is what we're going to come back to next week is verse 19 when he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations because that's what we're going to look at next week. This kingdom that reigns forever is going to be populated with his people that will reign forever and he wants disciples there. He wants people there from every nation. So we're going to come back to that. But I want to focus on this whole issue that everything is under Jesus' control and then there's something super comforting. This eternal... Worldwide, universal-wide, cosmic-wide reign. And then he says this little beautiful phrase, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The cosmic reigning king says, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, always is expansive, but it felt a little bit undefined. So I'm going to show you what that, the literal, this would be the literal, Ryan's literal translation. Look! I am with you all the days. That's what it literally says. I'm with you all the days to the end. Today. And tomorrow. And Tuesday. And Wednesday. And next Monday. And next Friday. all the days. For some reason that stood out to me more than always. Always felt a little undefined. But it literally says all the days. Every single day that you're going to play out on earth. Every single day that earth goes. Everyone till the end of this age. He's with you doesn't leave you, doesn't turn away from you. The eternal reigning king is with you, very present in your life. And so we can say everything is under his control and he's with you all the days. Now here's how this plays out. Is there anything you're worried about? Is there anything that looks like he's out of control? Is there anything that looks like it's not, it's not going to come together. Do you think it looked good when the Romans were on the earth and destroying and conquering every nation and killing Christians? And whew, Seems like it's kind of a mess right here. Everything was under his control. And he had a time limit for that. So there's this, there's this thing that whatever we see isn't the whole story. But there's also a very just personal sense that he's with you right now. I'll tell you, this played out for me uh, this week. as something to cling to. It's the, it's the latest installment of our, our trips to Sunset Pond. We've been going there since November. A team of people going down there, reaching out to people living in the park. And um, so it's, it's from our, our disciples making disciples training. And I'd love to have more people involved. But, uh, so every week, serve them a little lunch. And then we invite anybody who wants you to sit down and do a discovery Bible study. We want them to know God's word for them. And so sometimes one, sometimes two, sometimes three sit down with us. And this week, I, didn't, I wasn't able to even make it down there. But, but at the end, my mom and Crystal saw someone come out of this little tent that didn't even, wasn't even up anymore. It was like one sort of makeshift prop, and the rest of it's all fallen down. And this gal comes out named Julie. And she's somebody we first met there in November, first shared the gospel with, did the three circles with her. And then she's kind of gone and back. And, and, uh, but she was in this other tent, And um, she was very lucid, they said. She was very clear. And this guy that's usually kind of in front of her and keeping people away from her, he wasn't there. His tent was gone. And so she was more clear than she normally is. And she said, I'm hungry, and I need food, and I need to get out of here, and I need to go to detox. So my mom and Crystal got her some food. And then Crystal called me and said, she wants to get out of there. Which this is the first time in months that anyone has said anything about... I want help. I don't want to do this anymore. This is awful. This is the first time anyone has said anything like that. It's like, well, let's figure it out. So I called detox and they're like, yeah, we have beds. You just got to do it. We got to do a phone intake with her. Like, okay. So we drive down there. Crystal and I drive down there. We give her the phone. Like everything, it takes 20 times longer than you think. So we're just hanging out and she's on the phone. And it was so beautiful this moment. Crystal just reached down and holds her hand. She says, I just want you to know I'm with you. It's this beautiful moment. And so she's going through whatever, the phone intake, and then she hands me the phone. So I get on the phone, and like, can I bring her? Is it time? They're like, well, we have a couple people ahead of her. She can come in at 10. Like, this is 7 o'clock in the evening. I was like, 10? I'm asleep at 10. I'm not, I'm not doing this at 10 o'clock. I was like, well, I'm standing in the park, and I'm helping this lady, and I, I'm ready. I have my keys in my hand. I'm going to bring her to you now. And she's like, no, we have an intake now, we can't do it, she can come at 10. I was like, can I please bring her to you now? Like, all right, I'll check. So she puts the phone down. You know, now people don't put it on a hold, they just put it down. So there's all this shuffling, and you hear all the background noise. And so I'm just waiting, and this passage comes into my mind. I just started praying, Lord, you have all authority in heaven and on earth. You have all authority. I even had some tears coming to my eyes. I said, like, Lord, you have all authority in heaven and on earth. I can't solve this. I don't know what their process is. I don't want to do it at 10 o'clock at night. I just, I'm just casting myself on Him because I can't fix any of it. So we're just, I'm just praying this and waiting. And they, they come back on the phone and say, well, take her to the ER first. If she gets checked out there, we need to know she's medically able to be here and then she can come here. I was like, oh, thank you, something. So we get her over to the ER and get her checked in and we hug her, we pray with her and we just say, we'll check on you tomorrow. So we go and there was just such this relief that God moved. Now here's the reality and the sad part. We couldn't find her after that. I don't think she made it to detox and she wasn't in the hospital anymore. So there was this like, oh, and I don't think that's actually abnormal when you're working on someone who's trying to get off stuff. But um, so it didn't, it's not done yet. It's not over yet. It's still an ongoing story. But that's how our life is. We don't just usually pray once and God do, goes, here, here's a straight line, all your problems are solved. Done. There's this ongoing, Lord, all authority in heaven and earth is yours, and you're working things out, and I don't know how it's going to get solved, and right now this is broken, and this isn't working, and this is messed up, but you have it under control, and you're with me every moment, and we just keep calling out to him. And I don't know what's going to happen with Julie. We're going to keep trying. But there's such, there was such a freeing peace for me knowing that I'm asking him to do it. And I couldn't fix it, and I still don't have it fixed, but he's going to fix it. And so whatever you have... And it seems like, oh, it's not getting fixed. And this is a door shut. And this is a door shut. He still has all authority in heaven and on earth. Everything is still under his control. So you just keep giving it to him. And knowing he's with you. And however he's going to solve it, he's going to solve it. I don't know how. But it's under his control. So today as we wrap up, I want us to not only understand this cosmic (laughs) control. We get reminded that Jesus, the cosmic reigning king, gave himself for you. We're going to share communion right now. And uh, this Jesus, who reigns forever and is over all, also gave his body for you. Lucas says, and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He gave himself for you. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. That the eternal cosmic reigning king let his blood be shed to forgive your sins. He gave himself. So we want to do this in remembrance of him. And so as Pastor Mark leads us in these songs, I want to encourage you to just take that little bread out and just thank him. And ask him and give him any problems. And ask him to to be with you and to drink that cup. And just remember he's got this. And he loves me. And he's with me. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you reign on high. And you have all things, all kingdoms, all nations, all things in control. Do you also know the, the intimate details of our own lives? Or do you know about jobs and you know about broken pipes and you know about cars that break down and you know about problems in the park and you know about pains in our body? You know it all. And you're with us all the days. So I just ask that we'd have greater faith, greater trust. We'd live with a sense of peace. And we thank you so much that you gave yourself for us and that you are risen on high, our Savior forever. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.